Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guest today is Dave DeRocher, and he is executive director of The Other Side Academy and the website, easy to remember, theothersideacademy.com. Hello, Dave. Hi, how are you? Doing great. It's good to have you here. Uh, You are an organization that I didn't know about until Mm. recently, kind of stumbled across, and I think it's fascinating what you're doing. We'll dig into all of that, but before we do that, tell us a little bit about Dave. What's your background? Um, Well, currently I'm the executive director with the Other Side Academy, and I was one of the founding directors. We started in 2015. But what led me to the Other Side Academy and what afforded me the opportunity to actually become the executive director was a whole bunch of bad decisions that I made in my life. (laughs) It's funny how that works. Usually Um, those are the ones we learn from. Yeah. I I was a hardcore drug addict for well over 27 years, nearly 28 years. And when I say a hardcore drug addict, I wasn't the pot smoker and a little drinking on the weekends. It literally consumed my entire life, and I was out of the workforce for decades. Why was I out of the workforce? Because I was a drug addict committing crimes, and I spent most of my adult life going in and out of prison to the tune of a two-year prison term, a five-year prison term, a six-year prison term, and a 10-year prison term with very little time out in between those terms. So a long time doing drugs and just a a very chaotic, uh, tumultuous lifestyle that resulted in many years of incarceration, which I had coming. Prisons and jails literally saved my life and probably others because the way I was living my life. And then I was looking at for my fourth prison term at a 22-year prison sentence in the state of California, and an empathetic judge finally gave me the opportunity to get some help. Not that I couldn't have gotten it on my own. I just wasn't ready until I was facing that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time to convince the judge to give me the opportunity to go to an organization called Delancey Street, which is a two-year program. Uh, Really, the model that we've replicated the Other Side Academy after, only we've made a lot of... uh, changes to make us more efficacious. But I went to Delancey Street in lieu of a 22-year prison sentence. The judge said, Mr. Drosher, against my better judgment, I'm going to let you go, but you're going to plead guilty today to all of your charges. You're signing a deal for 22 years. So if and when you get kicked out, I've got you for the rest of your life. Wow. Needless to say, I went, had to stay two years to beat the 22-year prison sentence and ended up staying eight and a half years. Oh, my goodness. Wrap your mind around that. I stayed eight and a half years in a program. To some, that would sound crazy. Yeah. But the reason why we can't solve the problem in this country right now is because the 30, 60, 90 day models don't work very well. And we can get into that, I'm sure, as the mm-hmm. show goes on. But I stayed in Delancey Street for eight and a half years. In the last five years that I was there, I managed the L.A. facility. So here's a guy who was a drug addict his whole life, uh, in and out of prisons for the majority of his adult life, that was afforded the opportunity to run a multi-million dollar organization. We had 250 residents, 15 vocational training schools. And I was given the, the chance to run that organization. And it was the best decision I ever made, not just in going. But in staying and being able to give back, I ran a multi-million dollar organization and did it for free. And when I say free, I mean there was no monetary gain, but I got my life back and was able to serve others just like me. And like I said, it was the best decision I ever made up until the opportunity to come to Salt Lake City and start the Other Side Academy. So what what led to that process of saying let's duplicate the, the, the success and the program but do it in Salt Lake City? So Joseph Grenny is our chair, chairman of the board. Uh, He's written four books, New York Times bestselling books, one of which is called The Influencer. In The Influencer, he interviewed people all over the world that were influencing major change, AIDS, 
uh, reduction, uh, maybe hospital uh, diseases and, and infection reduction, whatever. For those, you know, you've gone all over the world interviewing mm-hmm. people. And he interviewed Mimi Silbert, who happens to be the president of Delancey Street, about 20 years ago, featured her in the book, went to San Francisco, visited her, and fell in love with the process. And in his words, f- uh, realized that Delancey Street had the cure for cancer, cancer being our uh, drug addicts and, mm-hmm. and ex-felons. And the just how efficacious the program was in stopping people from reoffending, and said someday I'd like to do this in Utah. Uh, and then a serendipitous chain of events and a lot of things happened. It was you know really lightning in a bottle. Uh, Tim Stay, our CEO, Joseph Grenny, our founder, our friends, and decided we want to do this in Salt Lake but realized they couldn't run it, manage it, or manage this population. And I had graduated from Delancey Street and was out working in the workforce and doing quite well. And they reached out and said, can we meet? Um, and they flew to Los Angeles, and we had the opportunity to sit down at Fleming Steakhouse. It's a funny story. We sat down, uh, and I said, don't either one of you ask me a, a darn, darn wasn't the word I used, but a darn <laughs> question. Who are you? What's the genesis of thought behind this? What makes you think you can? And why would you want to? Who's first? And I interviewed them. <laughs> then they interviewed me, and we knew we had the right fit. That's and that fantastic. Was, yeah, that was nearly eight years ago, and here we are. So the Other Side Academy and Delancey, uh, they're not rehabs. They're not halfway houses. So what is it exactly? So TOSA, the Other Side Academy, is a two-and-a-half-year re-education facility for the most lost among us, the long-term drug addict coupled with the criminal piece. My average student's been arrested 25.6 times. That's the aggregate total. I've got some that have never been arrested, maybe two or three. Mm-hmm. And of the 103 students I currently have, some over 50 times. But the, 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 the wow. average is about 25 times. So anybody listening to this show that thinks that a 30-, 60-, 90-day model is going to help me after 27 years of drug addiction or another drug addict after a couple decades of using and crimes, they need more help than we do. <laughs> We're two and a half years long. We are completely free. If you write us a letter from the county jail and we interview you and we accept you, you start as soon as the judge lets you go. If you walk through our front door, take a seat on our bench and we interview you, you start that day. You need nothing. No money. We don't take any money from the city, the county, the state, the federal government, rich mommy and daddy, Medicaid, nothing. The important part is, and the reason why this is also important is, it's not drug treatment. Uh, Mike, drugs aren't the problem. My decision-making was the problem. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was a liar and a cheater and a thief and a manipulator. and infi- All drug addicts fall into that category. Sure. And if all we do is send them to treatment facilities and they get clean and sober, so what? Getting clean and sober, that term by itself, I think, should be a felony. I can go to jail and sit in a cell for a year. I'm clean and sober. Right, yeah. What's the first thing I do when I leave? Right to the drug dealer's house to pick up. Getting clean and sober doesn't solve the problem. Getting clean and sober is the reward when you solve the problem. Uh-huh. When you take the liar, the cheater, the thief, and the manipulator, and you give them the time and the environment and the organization and the support and the peers that they need to learn to tell the truth, to be accountable, to have integrity, to become decent, law-abiding, responsible human beings. And that, Mike, takes time. Mm -hmm. So we're a minimum two and a half years long. As I mentioned earlier, I stayed in Delancey Street for eight and a half years. I'm a little slow. Um, (laughs) But we give people, you know, the average person staying three years at the Other Side Academy, and in some cases four or five, because it takes a long time to change, to really change those old behaviors and those old thought patterns and, and learn new ones. So we give them the opportunity to do that. We do it for free, and we don't take any money from the government. And they can leave at any time. They can. Let me explain why it's real important, if I may. Sure. Um, when I was going to jail, who was paying for me? Taxpayer. I was a burden. When I was going to prison, who was paying for me? Taxpayer. I was a burden. When I go to a treatment facility that I can't pay for, mom and dad are paying for it, or somehow Medicaid or somebody else is paying for it. Again, 
I'm a burden. Why should somebody else pay for my recovery when I made the decisions that put me there? At the Other Side Academy, we have social enterprises that generate our revenue that we are responsible to work on to generate the revenue to keep the doors open so we can help ourselves. Why is that important? The day you get there, you become part of the solution, not the problem. Nobody is paying for the bad decisions you've made throughout your life. You're doing the work yourself. Tell us a little bit more, I love this, about the bench that you have. Yeah, the bench is strategically placed by the front door of our facility for good reason. It is literally the portal between your old life and your new one. When you sit on that bench, and everybody does, I sat on the bench at Delancey Street, you're going to be reading our beliefs. It's kind of the pulse of the facility. You see people coming and going, and you get a good feel for where you're at. And uh, you're going to sit on that bench sometimes for 10 minutes before we do your interview, sometimes for 10 hours. It depends. If we interviewed you in jail and you got out and you didn't come straight to us and you went, you know, because you want to go see the girl, you want to go get high, and then you show up, you might sit on that bench for 24 hours. You might get there. Mom and dad have dropped you off. You just came out of jail. We get the interviewers together. We interview you, and your parents can then leave, you know, and we've got you. But the bench is really, really important. It's the beginning of your stay. It's the beginning of your new life. And it has to be you that sits on that bench. No one is going to take you and put you on that bench. Absolutely, Mike. That's a really good uh, uh, point. question or statement that you made that it has to be them no no parents no family can can make somebody go to the other side academy a judge can't even send them to the Mm. other side academy unless they've asked for help we have interviewed them and we have accepted them then the judge can send them or they walk through our front door sit on the bench and say hi i'm john doe i need help can i get an interview and just like any program you can't possibly help everyone so who are the typical kind of people that you can't help yeah that's you know it's that's true. Uh, we can't help everybody. We, we, we can't accept sex offenders. Um, that requires a different kind of help that we're not equipped to deliver. Um, people who have arson in their background, I don't mean the eight-year-old who started a trash can on fire in his house. I mean adults who are starting fires for sport with the intent of hurting people. Mm-hmm. And people who actually, actually require medication for psychosomatic mm-hmm. uh, issues or, or uh, mental health issues. Now, that's a very nuanced statement that I made because most of my students have been on medication for anxiety and depression, oh, damn near all of them. Mm-hmm. But anybody who's running from the law and who's a drug addict and looking over their shoulders for parole or probation are suffering from anxiety. It's situational. As soon as they get arrested, they're depressed. It's situational. Mike, we are creating drug addicts in jails. I could go to jail tonight, I promise you. And I challenge anybody to get me arrested. Tonight, I'll go to a psychologist or a doctor in jail. I'll be on four medications. Uh, I know exactly what to tell them. We are medicating people that absolutely do not need it. And the more we medicate them, the less they're able to deal with their emotions, and they turn right back to drugs. So you do have people showing up who are on addicted to illegal drugs or addicted to legal drugs that they've been prescribed. Yeah, yeah. What's the process? Do you have a, a detox process, or is it just... So we don't have a detox center at the Other Side Academy, but we have a number of detox centers that we partner with. So if somebody comes in, and most people who come to us don't require that. They've come from jail. They've already been in jail for a while, so they got the detox part out of the way. But if they come in off the street, alcohol and opiates particularly, and they need to detox, we get on the phone, we find them a detox bed, get them to detox, then we bring them back to do the interview. So we're not a detox center. You have to be clean in order to start. We want you to be clear of mind and lucid when we do the interview to make sure that you're going to be a good fit with, for the Other Side Academy and vice versa. Now, this is something I don't normally see with nonprofits, and it's something that is uh, unique to the Other Side Academy and, and a handful of other nonprofits. But you actually, you mentioned you sort of generate your own funds. Talk about how that works. And talk about how, 
I know maybe one of the criticisms that you face is that you're actually exploiting these people and it's free labor. So talk about how you generate the money and then sure. also how it's not that. Yeah. It, when I was a drug addict and I was a criminal and I'm going to programs that you, Mike, and the taxpayers paying for, aren't I exploiting you? Sure. So when you come to the Other Side Academy, it's completely free. Every possible need is taken care of. Food, clothing, training, coaching, mentoring, influencing, everything. You live in a beautiful uh, home, a number of homes right there on the corner of 7th East and 1st South. And we have our own social enterprises that generate the revenue so we can continue to help people without charging them. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't they come there and work to support themselves and to give back so that other people can get help? Why should the taxpayer have to pay for the adult going into a program? So, of course, we're not exploiting them. They're paying their way. Mm -hmm. And now they have skin in the game. Plus, there's another important part. I go all over the country, primarily here in Utah when I'm going to the jails and prisons, and I ask inmates all the time, who here knows how to work? All their hands go up. I said, you're all liars. If you knew how to work, that's where you'd be. Drug addicts who are out there committing crimes and doing drugs don't know how to work. Having a skill, knowing how to lay pipe, knowing how to cut hair, knowing how to be a chef, knowing how to drive a truck, wonderful. You have a skill. But if you're going in and out of jail, you don't know how to apply it. Knowing how to work means get up, go to work, be on time, go to break, come back on time, go to lunch, come back on time, go to break in the afternoon, come back on time, punch out at 5, not 4.59, mm. return the next day, have a good attitude, follow simple instructions, do what your boss asks you to do. Our students don't know how hell half the society doesn't know how to do it, but particularly our students. So while they're there, they're learning the skills that you are not going to learn in a treatment facility while you're sitting around with your hat on crooked, your pants sagging, and a <laughs> cell phone talking to your toxic girlfriend you yeah. got high with two weeks before you got there. Mm. Completely different model. All the Other Side Academy is is a micro community preparing you for the macro community. Everything we do there is exactly what's expected of you in society. And we give you as as long as you need uh, time-wise to do it. And doing that work and generating that money, what, what are those different programs that you have? So we have a moving company, right, that does about 300 moves a month. If you look up the other side movers, we are the number one rated moving company in the entire state of Utah. In 2018, myself, my staff, and a number of students were at the Grand America Hotel, and we won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year with a moving company ran by ex-felons wow. and ex-drug addicts. Now, I want to just let that sit. Boom. Drop the mic, right? Yeah. Ernst & Young Entrepreneurs of the Year with a moving company ran by ex-felons and ex-drug addicts. We've won best of state now for treatment facility, per se, uh, at the Other Side Academy the last two years running. But our moving company, our thrift store on State Street uh, in Murray and in Mill Creek at 33rd and 13th, won best of state. We have a storage facility also in Murray, and we have a small construction company, the Other Side Builders. All of those social enterprises generate the revenue and gives the students an opportunity to learn how to work. So those are the social enterprises that generate the revenue. Then we have food service, legal, corporate development, uh, and other social enterprises, not social enterprises, but uh, uh, businesses within the organization that don't generate revenue. Hmm. And, of course, the people that are at the Other Side Academy do have to participate in that. Absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, one of the things going through your website, um, contact with family and friends is something that is really earned. Mm -hmm. Talk about why that's important. Well, you know, when you're a drug addict and you have been for a long time, you don't have any friends. You think you do. Right. But if you're a drug addict, the people you're running with are also drug addicts. And if you ha let me just explain, I wish you could see this as I tried to. I have a syringe and I'm putting it in my arm. 
And when I get done, I hand it to my friend. Mm. It could kill them. Drug addicts don't even know the definition of friend. If you're a drug addict, you're out there running around with people that are doing the same thing you are. Those aren't friends. A real friend, if they knew I was using today, would call me on it immediately and get me the help that I need. So you're not going to have contact with friends because you don't have any. Family, two things are happening. Number one, half of my students got high with their mom or dad. Mm. The relationship is already toxic. Who in their right mind gets high with their 13-year-old mm. on meth? Who in their right mind uh, uh, gives a, a syringe full of heroin to a 16-year-old that's a mom or dad? They have no right to be in their lives until our student gets to a better place and mm. can build proper boundaries with their families. Um, or their families enabled them. Uh, to the 10th degree. My mom and dad ran all over the state of California from prison to prison to prison to prison, wrote me letters, visited me, took my collect calls, paid for those collect calls, Mm -hmm. sent me money. I was a grown adult making decisions I knew would send me to prison, and then I expected them to take care of me when I Mm -hmm. got there. If they do that, they're as sick as I am. So we want the grown adult who's making bad decisions to cut the umbilical cord, learn to stand on their own two feet so they can learn to have boundaries when the relationships are toxic, whether it be family, significant other. And if you're, Mike, if you're a drug addict and a criminal, who are you dating? (laughs) Drug addicts and criminals. So the relationship's already toxic. (laughs) Right. And if I'm a drug addict and a criminal and I'm dating somebody who isn't, that person needs more help than I do. What does it say about their boundaries? They're allowing a drug addict and a criminal to come into their home around their kids because they're desperate for you know, love or whatever that is. So that relationship's toxic. Drug addicts don't know the definition of love. The true definition of love is sacrifice. So we have to redefine friend. We have to redefine love. We have to redefine what all those things mean. So of course they can have contact with their family, but it is going to be earned and it's going to be at different phases in your stay. And it's going to be contingent upon whether or not that relationship was healthy. The other thing I found really interesting is that you don't have a lot of uh, trained professionals there. You don't have trained counselors most of the people that work there are previous students. All of us are. All of us. Yeah. Delancey Street is ran exclusively by ex-felons and ex-drug addicts. Been around since 1971. Has graduated 25,000 people successfully back into the community. Wow. It was widely known as the gold standard in this country. San Francisco, L.A., North Carolina, New Mexico, and New York were the five facilities that helped people like me turn their lives around. Ran by ex-felons and ex-drug addicts. Who better to help us than us? The problem, in my opinion, is... As well-intentioned as human beings are, we're sending people to college to get their, their degree in social work. And then the person who got their degree in social work is now 25 years old, sitting in front of a guy like me with 27 mm. years of drug addiction and nearly 20 years in and out of prison. What do you think they know about me? <laughs> I mean, really, seriously. Yeah, now, they're well-intentioned. They really point. want to help. But they don't have the experiential yeah, overlap. Right. That's like me taking delivery of a baby, cutting the umbilical cord, giving the baby its first breath, and then as a doctor telling the mother, here's what it's like for you to give birth. I only know what it's like from my perspective. I can never tell. Mm. I can't tell her what it's like. The problem today is you have academics trying to help a population they know nothing about. What is your capacity there? How many people can you have there at one time? Right now we have 103 students. We've got about 23 staff members living on property and about 15 graduates. I can house a couple, two or 300 if I reconfigure the rooms. Mm-hmm. Right now we're, we're definitely, we'll never be at capacity. And if we get close to capacity, we'll buy more property. We've already gobbled up six of the properties right there at 7th East and 1st South. So, you know, people probably listening are going, oh, there's no way that could work. 
Oh, yes way. We're the most efficacious program in the state. Yesterday, I had a program come down and bring all of their students to learn from us in one day. Two weeks ago, I had another one from Pennsylvania. I had another one from Iowa. People are coming from all over the world because they can't understand how we're doing it the way that we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Mike, it works. I got to tell you, talking to nonprofits and charities, the answer to that question is always exactly the opposite of what you said. All nonprofits and charities say we could serve more people if we had more money and more space. So the fact that you have space is very encouraging. Well, serving more people, let's define that. Who cares if you serve more people if your outcomes are dismal? That's a great point, too. The the reason why we don't take any money from the government, first of all, the government's not going to pay for a two-year program, even even if it's the best thing for the person who needs the help. And if they did, they'd go, oh, wait a second, not two years. How about one year? Let's do it in six months. Can we do it in 90 days? You can serve more people. But in serving more people, if you're not efficacious and they're not, it's not sticking and they're going back out and they're using again and they pick up again and they die, we're hurting more people than we're helping. Serving more people in our organization isn't necessarily the best thing to do. Serving those who we're serving right and making sure they get what they came there for is more important so we have good outcomes. You really have a different way of thinking about just about every facet of being a nonprofit. I mean, it's really in a lot of ways, opposite of a lot of the nonprofits that yeah. I talk to. Speaking of outcomes, what, what kind of measurements do you have? So if you come to us and you stay for the two and a half years, DCE, drug-free, crime-free, and employed, 82% of the people wow. who come to us, this is incredible, that is. 82% of the people who come to us and graduate do not reoffend. If you only stay the two years and go to graduate housing for six months, if you stay three years, it's about 90%. Four, some people have stayed four and five years, It's 95, 96. It it fluctuates, but we're in the high 90s. Mm. Why is that? This is really important. Can people change in one day? No. Can they change in two days? No. Can they change in 30? No. They can get clean and sober. Change takes time. It's the dosage effect. The longer you stay Mm. in the mode of practice of doing the right thing every day, the more it becomes who you are. So two, three, four years later, you turn around, you look behind you. It's really hard to return to your old lifestyle when you've created a new one. Sure. And drugs are not the problem. The lifestyle is the problem. So the farther you get away from it, the, 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 the more, the, your new circle of influence, and you don't return to those old people. And if you stay with us for five years and you try and look back, it's gone. You have an entirely new circle of influence, new habits, new way of thinking. So it takes time. That's the beauty of the model. The government doesn't give us any money, so they can't destroy it. And if the government knew so well, why is the problem getting worse, not better? We have more people in prison than any country in the world. Yep. Yeah. It's our culture, Mike. Yeah. What are some of the other myths surrounding specifically the Other Side Academy and this model? I don't know that there's any other myths. I think that treatment facilities oftentimes as well-intentioned as they are, and they are. I've got friends sprinkled throughout all the treatment facilities in Utah. They're absolutely wonderful, wonderful people. And when we first got here, you know, we replicated Delancey Street. They're like, oh, you guys can't do it. You don't have doctors. That's why we're so successful. (laughs) You know, I mean, it really is why we're so successful. We have people just like us that have been there for a long time. So I think we've gotten past a lot of the myths. And if anybody has any questions about the Other Side Academy, we are an open book. We are unlike any other program in the entire country, or at least in Utah. You come visit us. You can sit down. You can talk to the students. You can have lunch with them. You can have dinner with them. We are a completely open book. We are as transparent as any organization there is. Come visit us at the Other Side Academy. Can you tell us about a couple of maybe specific examples, people that you've that really made an impression on you? Wow, I've got so many. I'm sure. Um, I've got an employee now, and I'll, I'll say her name. Her name is Tori. 
She was from Utah County. She was a drug addict for many years. She was sitting in jail when she wrote us. And when she was on the street, she found herself homeless. And she was doing what she needed to do to support her habit. I'll leave it at that. Her life was falling apart. She was, you know, she would rather be you know, gone than doing what she was doing. She came to us. She stayed two years. She stayed a third year as a master student, stayed a fourth year as staff and training, and has been hired now for the past few years. And she's one of the most powerful women I know. And she was a heroin addict. It saved her life. Hmm. I have a gentleman by the name of Jordan. He had been to prison three times already. I interviewed him in Davis County. He came to us. Uh, He was really sneaky. He did some things wrong at six months. Uh, We gave him a contract. Those are the consequences. Six months later, he did the same thing. Six months later, he did the same thing. Now, remember, he's being sneaky. He's lying. He's calculating. I won't even get into what he was doing. Had nothing to do with drugs. It was behaviors. At 20, 22 months, I had a decision to make. Let him graduate at 24 months and go back out there, the same person that came in. Instead, I walked him out, brought him back in, kicked him out, re-interviewed him, started him all over. Hmm. He lost his time. That was four and a half years ago. He's now gone through the program, staff and training, and he now runs our construction department, our wow. construction company, the other side builders, and one of the, is one of the most trustworthy men you will ever meet. Hmm. I've got so many success stories. It sounds like a, a stubborn guy that has now discovered to use his stubbornness for good. You know what he said? He says, Dave, I remember when I did that, and you walked me out and you had tears in your eyes. And I remember I thought to myself, I don't ever want to hurt anybody again. I was crying. Yeah. He had, I didn't want him to leave the same person that came in, but I didn't want to lose him. And I had to, uh, it was risky to kick him out, bring him back in and re-interview him because he could have just left. Right. And he stayed and he fought hard for his life. And he is just an incredible human being today. Really, I, I can't even, it's hard to, to quantify in words. And uh, he says, I remember that very instant where I saw tears in your eyes. And I've seen that before with my family. And I said, I never want to do this again. Wow. It's an amazing program. I feel like we've just scratched the surface. We'll have to have you back to talk more about it. How can people help? Now, typical nonprofits, donations, of course. Uh, What kind of in-kind donations are you looking for, if any? You know, we have two uh, very large thrift boutiques, um, furniture, clothing. Use our moving company. Use our construction company. We have a storage facility in Murray uh, on 5300 uh, and State Street. It was just off behind the high school there. Uh, use our social enterprises. That really does help uh, generate the revenue to, so we can continue to do the work that we're doing. But the most important part, Mike, is people listening to the show. If you have a family member, a friend, and everybody knows somebody, directly, indirectly, family, friends, please go to our website or call me directly uh, at the Other Side Academy. We'll get them there for an interview. It's the most important part of this whole interview mm-hmm. is to limit, make sure people know that there's a program that works that's free, that's long, that's efficacious. You know, that's the most important part. Yeah, and not a lot of nonprofits can say one one way you can help us is to hire us. Yeah. So I think that's really fantastic. Yeah. The Other Side Academy, Dave DeRocher, who is executive director, theothersideacademy.com is the website. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our community. Yeah, Mike, you're welcome. Can I add one more thing? Sure. Many of you listening have probably heard of the tiny home village that's being started here in Salt yes. Lake City. Yeah. That's us. That's the Other Side Ah, Academy. We've partnered with the city. Um, There's 38 acres of land that we're getting ready to acquire through the city. We've already got our first tiny home built. It's going to be a, it's called the Other Side Village. It's going to be for the chronically homeless, a portion of the population that we can't help, people that really do have mental health issues and require uh, uh, help that we're not able to provide. Um, Permanent housing, social enterprises, cultural hall, uh, grocery store, 
hair salon, coffee shop, so that those who are living there, we refer to them as neighbors, have someplace they can work, whether it's an hour a day, whether it's an hour a week, whether it's 40 hours a week, to give them dignity of life. So we'll have the Other Side Academy for my population. We'll have the Other Side Village for the chronically homeless that we're unable to help. That's our next venture. We're going to make an impact. We have people coming from all over the country again to look at the model we're about to replicate. That's the next thing that we're doing. That's fantastic because I think that's an idea that everybody can get behind until you start talking about the details. Yep. Where is it going to be? Is it going to be in my neighborhood? Yep. So it's amazing that you're actually getting that done. I know yep. just a little bit about what that's taken probably to get yeah. that done. Yeah, it's, it's, we've had to jump through some hoops I'm and some sure. of them have been on fire. Dave, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com.